Ooh, that was pretty good. Hey, but that wasn't Justin. That was uh, the older brother, John. <laughs> Filling in for Justin. I'm at the helm this week because he's on the vacation at an undisclosed location. Mm. Not to be mentioned ever again. <laughs> so, we're glad he's getting away. Um, and we are excited because we have a very, very special guest in the house today. We are going Yay. backstage with the Simple Church with Ray Rainey. Now, before we even get into how we met Ray Rainey, you have a lot of different names. I do. That you were known by. The one that is most near and dear to my heart, and Scott, you're probably going to learn in this next few seconds, is Green Fingy. Green Fingy. That All is right. a new one for me. Yeah, so Ray, mm-hmm. tell us about Green Fingy. How'd that happen? That what? happened from John's daughter. Could uh, She named me that, and yeah. it kind of stuck. Yep. Uh, and why does she call you that? Butters. Butters is the one that named uh-huh. me that. And why does she call you that? Because I am Yoda. Mm. Yes. Yeah, so we, Ray actually has a name tag, a simple church name tag, where it says Yoda and then his real name underneath it. Now, so if we ever meet again in person and you get to meet him, you'll see that name tag. Were you dressed up as Yoda at the time? I have dressed up as Yoda for many years. Yes. Okay. Yes. I was just... Cause I just thought maybe she just looked at you and immediately thought of Yoda. Oh, no. Okay. I have a total Yoda costume. <laughs> yes. Which, well, who was it? Somebody said, maybe it was Justin, said, that Yoda head looks wore out. Well, I got to thinking that Yoda head's 27 years old, so it's it wore out. It's yeah, I got to get me a new one. Money. I got to get a new one. Yeah, I'd save that one. Then. <laughs> Sell it on the eBay and get you a new one. And I'm wearing, in your honor today, my I T-shirt see that. says what? I see it. Force, for, force good. for good. Oh, we got <laughs> even little, did the voice. Yeah, yeah. Well, we yeah. might. I hope we get another little something out of Yoda today. Yeah, maybe. I didn't even know you were such a big Star Wars fan. Oh, oh yeah. yes, yeah. He's he's big time into it. There I watched know. the first Star Wars when it came out at the movie theater at the corner of Seventieth and Mansfield Road. There was a drive-in movie theater. And what year was that? <laughs> Had to be seventy-seven, I think. Yeah, six, I think seven, six some, or seven. Somewhere in there. I think yeah. it was seven. I was. <laughs> Never mind what year I thought it was. Yeah. What year did you think it was, Scott? I was going back to the sixties. No, with you. Star Wars ain't that old. It was definitely six or seven. I'm yeah. pretty sure it was seven. I think so. I think that's right. Yeah. Okay. Then also, you're known as Stroke Rainy. Ooh. Yeah. All right. Tell us why you have that name. Now you see, I I haven't heard all these names for a while <laughs> until I come back here, and well, so welcome. now here they go. Yes. You know, Stroke Rainy. Uh, Justin would get a kick out of that one because he named me that one. Uh, Justin and I were at a. Um, Health club. Health club. <laughs> uh, most people call it a fitness center. Or a gym. Or a gym. Or a gym. We, Ray calls them health clubs. Health club. We were at the health club. <laughs> we were working out, and all of a sudden I started getting kind of lightheaded and dizzy. And the lady comes over there, and she says, sit down here, sir, and let me take your blood pressure. And so she took my blood pressure, and it was just like, whoa, way, you know, <laughs> like stroke level. Uh-huh. Oh, my gosh. And so there comes... Stroke, stroke rainy. And After that, and, did you and, go to the hospital? No. Oh, okay. And then also, though, the way you sign your name—if <laughs> if you ever get an <laughs> autograph from him—it's further evidence that he's having a stroke daily, mm-hmm. because his hand shakes, shakes as he's signing, oh and it's gosh. like so. It's confirmation. And then the last name I have for you. There's many more, but we're gonna stop at three for the sake of time. Is Uncle Ray Ray? Uncle Ray Ray. All right, so here we go with Butters again. I first saw Uncle Ray Ray because we would go to Baton Rouge when you lived there and travel with volleyball. Mm -hmm. And you would send her videos of encouragement when she was playing. And you were in the character of Uncle Ray Ray. So who is Uncle Ray Ray and how did that happen? Oh, I don't know how it came about, but um, I started doing those little Uncle Ray Rays for my grandkids. Okay. And sending them videos. And... uh, the teeth and the glasses, I mean, I, if I'd have known he was going to bring it up, I could have brought them with me today. Uh-huh. But uh, I might do a little Uncle Ray Ray at one of the Wednesday morning, Wednesday so, morning. All right, this breaking news, listeners. <clears throat> if you're not tuned in to the Wednesday morning prayer time, you have a new incentive because he may sign off as Uncle Ray Ray. I, it I, could happen. Yeah, because I want to see these glasses and teeth. Oh, it's pretty shocking. 
yeah, some people, you know, <laughs> like it, but some people say that's kind of scary. <laughs> but I don't think hey, it's scary. Beauty's in the eye of the beholder. That's right. That's right. Yes. Get over it. All right. And then there's one more name that just popped in my mind uh-uh. that I just recently learned. You and I traveled to Baton Rouge together. Mm-hmm. Um, Ray, we'll get into this a little bit later, but Ray's a chaplain for the Louisiana State Police, and now I'm involved also. We went to a training together, and we had your wife on the phone, Allison. And what does she call Good you, Ray? Night. <laughs> Raymond. 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 Now, I've known this guy. I've known him since the mid '90s, and I've I don't even mm. I don't even and I used to do HR work at our first place we worked together, and I promise you, I never knew your name was Raymond. <laughs> So I was tripping. So the whole trip, I called him Raymond. Raymond. Yep. Well, that's the new name that has stuck. That doesn't fit you. (laughs) No, Raymond. Raymond. So we have Raymond. What's your middle name? (laughs) Oh, here we go. Come on. Earl. Raymond Earl Earl. Brady is our special As in the Duke. Mm. (laughs) You know know that song, Scott? You're a little bit young for that song. (laughs) Yeah. I'm uh, way young. The Duke of Earl. Song. I'm oh, too young for that Duke. song. Yeah. <laughs> so, so speaking of age, I think you are officially our oldest staff member. Is yes. that correct? Oh, without a doubt. Yes. But you're also our newest staff member. That's correct. So this is very, very important. Well, uh, no, no, no. no. Who's well, newer? I was going to say, but Blake. How about, how about newest? Well, yeah, but, he's he's not really a minister he, yet. Yeah, but he's, he's in training. Yeah, and he was but here he, before me. Yeah, he was around before. You just mm-hmm. got promoted, though. So anyway... So we met in the mid nineties. Yes. We're thinking around nineteen ninety four. But what I want to know from you is you have a fascinating story of how you became a believer. Because in your early years of life, you weren't not a believer. Mm-mm. You came up in a very, very rough situation. Um, and we won't get bogged down in a lot of that because but what but Tell me a little bit about how you came to know the Lord. Where were you? What was the situation? Where were you going to church? Tell me about that. You know, sometimes tough times in life causes us to turn to God. I didn't need God until this tough time came along. Mm-hmm. I had my business. I had, you know, uh, a wife, a kid, a uh, young one-year-old, and uh, my world was perfect. And one day my wife comes up and says, I want a divorce. That's shocking. And that rocked my world. Yep. And I turned to God at that time. Right. And you went to church where at that time? Where was your first church experience? Well, I wasn't going to church at that time. Right. Um, A lot of people know Val Dooley. used to be sheriff. Um, His wife is the one. We we did body work for the sheriff's department. Okay. And uh, his wife, we were repairing her car, and she recognized God working in my life, and she led me to the Lord. That's awesome. Yeah. I never, I've never heard that. Yeah. In all the years I've known you, I never, because I always heard fast forward to when you started going to church, over at Sunset Acres. Sunset maybe? Acres. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Springs of I, Grace now. Yeah, that's where I picked up the story in my mm-hmm. memory. So that's a cool detail that I didn't know. Yeah. So then you went to Sunset Acres. Then joined Sunset Acres, and you know was there, and um, some things happened, and God wanted me to wanted us to move, and we did, and started going to First Bossier, and. Mm-hmm. Um, Phyllis knew Lee Lowry, mm-hmm. and so that was a connection there. And I didn't even want to go to church there. I can remember sitting one day in the back of the church and telling Phyllis, um, this is a big church, and we're just going to sit back and take it easy, and we're not going to get involved. That didn't work out That didn't you. work out. No. <laughs> not at all. <clears throat> Good. No. You know whose fault that is? Mine for saying that. Yeah, and Justin Hagler. Justin Hagler. Oh. <laughs> Because tell tell the part of the, about the story where Justin comes into play. How did you meet him, and how did he? Because he's he really was kind of the catalyst that got you into the ministry at First Bossier. Right. So, so how did you even know him? Uh, my two daughters were in the high school ministry, mm-hmm. so that's how we knew Justin. And my wife served in the high school ministry, uh-huh. and so they just loved Justin. <laughs> and uh, you know. Back then, I'm like, good night, y'all. The long hair and the music and you were judging, weren't you? Yeah, I was. <laughs> and uh, but after I got to know him, you oh, know, yeah. spending some time with him and all that changed. And um, so 
back then we were like shorthanded with the staff. Uh-huh. And um, I had just surrendered to the ministry. I need to tell that real quick how that happened. Yeah, tell us that real quick. <clears throat> I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew that God wanted me to come into the ministry. Uh-huh. But I fought it. Okay. Because I kept saying, there's no way. I don't have seminary. I don't have college education. I don't have any experience. And how is a church going to pay me and me support my family? So, no, it ain't going to happen. Because you owned a body shop. I owned a body home. shop. And um, so for two years, I he kept saying, I want you to surrender. I want you to surrender. I wouldn't do it. Uh-huh. So one day I walked into my business, and the place was a wreck. Somebody had broken into it and just tore the place apart. And I went back on the back lot of the body shop and just got on my knees and just cried and said okay yep. you got my attention god what do you want me to do there's another situation where a tough time led you to tough another time. step with god i'm hard-headed god has to put me through <laughs> you and me both those tough times so <laughs> so what happened after that though um i surrendered to the ministry and not knowing okay what am i going to do not knowing anything but i'm here i am and so um three days later a guy that was in charge of the singles at the church said, called me and said, and I don't know why he called me, said, hey, I'm I'm leaving the church. I'm not going to be there anymore. So I called Dr. Fred and said, hey, can I, you know, take Bill's place? And I said, you don't have to pay me anything. I just want to learn. He said, yeah. That's so awesome. God opened the, opened the door. Yep. And we ended up officing next to each other. We did. We were side by side and shared a secretary. Yes. Those are some good times, but I, I, you remind me, I have a list of like special times that you and I have shared, some tough, some not, but you talk about surrendering to ministry. I remember when I surrendered to the ministry, me, you, and Justin were together. In California. We were in on Saddleback's campus. In the parking lot. In a, in a rental van in the rain, mm-hmm. which it very rarely rains in Southern California. But we were there for a conference, and I remember we had been there for a little while, had taken in some of the content they were offering and god just got all over me because up my kind of my quick story was i was like you very stubborn i went to work i went to work for the church in a non-ministry position Mm -hmm. and was insistent that it was going to stay that way right and was pretty adamant that i'm not a minister i don't want to be a minister i'm just here to run the staff and do the business part and god was just laughing because when we all flew out there together much like you, it was like, when it's on you, it's on you. Yeah. There, there's no getting away from it. So we share that special memory together. Uh, <clears throat> I can picture that day or that sitting in that van right now. I can see it sitting yep. in there and all of that taking place. Pretty cool. Very, very special memory mm-hmm. for sure. So back to your story. So you, you, you feel the call. You end up at First Bossier. Justin has kind of range in a little bit, mm-hmm. got you there, what have you. And you did a fantastic job with singles ministry. I Thank think you. anybody that's a lot of folks that were in your ministry are now at Simple Church. Just, I was. Yep. Yeah, Scott's a good example. And I remember uh, just um, watching in awe of how that ministry just grew, being led by someone that um, had a passion for singles. Mm-hmm. Did that passion come from your experience early on when your divorce happened, or where did you get that passion? Right, um, because of you know being going through a divorce and being single, I knew how it felt mm-hmm. to be a, you know in in that state of life, whatever. Yep. And so it just it just gave me a heart for the singles. You want to go to what you telling what you told me that day? <laughs> I figured you would go there. Why don't you tell the listener mm-hmm. what happened that mm-hmm. day? Because it's a famous moment in time. It is. Um, I had been rocking along in ministry and I thought was doing well. And one day John comes up to me and says, um, I'm sorry, uh, Mr. Rainey, but um, we don't think you're gonna you're good enough to be in ministry. We don't think that you can do it and that you can make it. And um, we're not going to put you on full time and we're not going to pay you. <laughs> now, I've been doing all work for two years for no pay. Uh-huh. Wow. So... You know, hoping that one day I could come on and, you know, let go of my business and all that. So he told, tells me all that. And I looked at him and I said, I'm going to show you, you joker. 
yes, called he him did. a joker. He did. That was one of the first times I got called a joker by you. And so I kind of I stepped it up, you know, and um, yeah, he did. the rest is history. And that's uh, anybody knows about Enneagrams, they say that one of my Enneagram numbers, the name of it is the Challenger. So that yeah. so it makes more sense. I didn't know uh-huh. that about myself at the time. Scott can probably relate to a conversation yesterday <laughs> where there's just this need sometimes to push people, you know, to the next step. And, uh, yeah, I'm so glad that you did rise to the occasion. I knew you would. There was, there was no doubt in my mind, mm-hmm. Ray. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. um, but look, but look at all the awesome things that have happened since then. A lot. Right. And yeah. we did go through a lot in that chapter. Uh, we served together until I left mm-hmm. First Bossier in 2006. Okay. That's the year I left. And going back to special memories, and this is on the tough side of things, there's two memories that come to me during the First Bossier reign that were very difficult, but I'm so thankful we were together. And one of them is when Phyllis passed away. Mm. I'll never forget when your wife, Phyllis, we got a call from the place that was taking care of her, and we rode there together. And that's tough, man. But it's just one of those moments that bond you together because you just, there's no preparing for that. It was sudden. Right. There wasn't really, it wasn't a slow declining deal. It was just like she was in rehab and then she was suddenly gone. Do you remember that day? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Never forget that. I bet so. Yep. And we we were together for that. And And I think that, you know, those experiences, if I had to evaluate you now, like when I think of you, is you have a tremendous heart for people. Like it just, it's just obvious that you have a soft spot for people, a tenderness toward people. And when I think back over your life, I think it's because of a lot of what you experienced. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that? Oh, no doubt. I can share this real quick. Um, when Phyllis had her first brain surgery mm-hmm. and Dr. Nanda came in and, and told me privately, said, uh, she's got a, a tumor that's um, cancerous. We've never seen anything like this. And she has maybe six months to live. I remember he said, that. but don't, don't tell her. They said, let's get her out of the hospital, bring her to my office in a couple of weeks, and then we'll tell her. And I'm mm. going, good night. No pressure. Yeah, none. Jeez. So I can remember going out in the parking lot after that and just, again, getting on my knees and crying and say, okay, God, um, she's yours. Mm-hmm. If you want to take her, take her. Yep. yep. Well, he didn't. He gave her back for seven years. That's right. And so, um, you know, just another deal to where, you know, Sometimes we're put in positions where we're forced. I wouldn't say forced, but we're in a position where we choose. That's right. That's a are you gonna, word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are we going to trust God or are we going to go fall apart and, you know, just, yep. you know. So trust God and then look what he did. Yeah, pretty amazing. I think you've done a phenomenal job as I've watched all of those years unfold. I can remember some very tough moments in there because she had several surgeries. Seven. Yeah, before she finally passed away. And every time it's high anxiety and not sure what's going to happen. And But I think you hit the nail on the head when that's when you fall on your knees mm-hmm. because it's out of your control. That's, that's right. And I think, admittedly, all of us are somewhat control freaks. If given the choice, we want control. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, anybody. And... Yeah. God does a pretty good job of making sure we're reminded regularly that we're not in control. We're not. So yeah. that uh, that one. And then the other memory that is tough for me to reflect on but super important to me is when I decided to leave First Bossier. Mm. We, uh, we called it the Blue Room at the time, but there was a, a men's locker room mm-hmm. in the gym that is now gone since the great fire of 2016. 18. 18. 18. Ooh, I don't know December, how I got that wrong. December, December 18. I should know that because my daughter got married that year. Shame on me. Uh, but, yeah, that gym's gone, but it had a locker room in there, and it was blue for right. whatever reason. And whenever things were tough, that's where we would gather up, mainly me, Justin, and Ray, sometimes an additional player or so, and just talk through whatever was going on with any of us. Um, it was private, and 
out of sight, out of mind. And I remember the day I well, made We figured this. that was the only place that didn't have microphones. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that, Ray, but I appreciate you getting real right there. Ray went real honest. <laughs> That's Thank you for that. Yes. But I, we went to that blue room, mm-hmm. and all three of us cried like babies. Yep. Because we had been on a 10-year journey through a lot of highs and lows, personally, professionally, spiritually. Some of the best times of my life and some of the most difficult times of my life were in that decade. But I remember just huddled up there, the three of us, and just kind of grieving the end of an era. And, and But this is cool. This, this goes back to your point exactly about how God takes difficult circumstances mm-hmm. and pushes us because had I not left... I'm fairly confident that Justin would not have been as motivated to start Simple Church. I I believe that's true. Because a year later, the Simple Church launched, and there is no way that I could have been the person to help make that happen with the leadership there with Justin. I needed to get out of the way. Mm -hmm. And another guy stepped in and was the perfect guy to help orchestrate that. And here we are. We're celebrating our 13th year as the Simple Church. So you don't know all that at the time. We're in there crying like babies because we don't understand why this is all happening and why it has to change. But I look back and it's like, wow, what an amazing journey. And we'll get to you coming back to us later. later. Okay, all right. Because to me, that's another dream fulfilled. But we'll, Mm. we'll get to that. So anyway, so I go off to Texas. And just to show how wrong I was about you, you assumed a new role at First Bossier. Mm-hmm. What did you, because you were doing singles ministry and you did some senior adult ministry. I did senior adult singles and facilities. Right. So you took on more and more responsibility and then it came time for you to make a change. For, yes. Well, for the last two years that I was there, I was in the executive pastor role. Yeah. Uh, That's near so and dear to, to my heart right there. Yeah. yeah. And moved <laughs> into the portal office. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and, um, uh, so, so wait, but you got to explain that because for the listener, it's gone too. It's All gone these too. facilities are gone except for one two-story building is the only thing that's left from the original layout of the church, a Sunday school building. Everything mm-hmm. else was torn down or burned down. But there was a particular office that was originally Fred Lowry's office, and then he when he moved to the new building, it became kind of the executive pastor's office, mm-hmm. and strangely enough, everybody that moved into that office was gone within a year. Within two years. Within two years. Within that's two. that's wow. right. I, that's true for me. It was true for Ray and a bunch of other people. So we nicknamed it the exit portal. So that's what he's talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So you so you went, where did you go from there? When you left First Bossier, where did you go? Well, just, you know, to let everybody know, when Dr. Fred retired, he let the whole staff know that you probably need to find a job because the new guy's going to bring his own people. Right. You know, that was pretty common back then. Yep. You know, pretty common happened. everywhere in yeah. churches. In churches. So I started looking, but I started looking around here, you know, to find something. I was even looking to go back into the body business or whatever, you know, I had to support my family. So, um, so I was looking all around here. Well, I got a phone call from a church in Baton Rouge, a Struma Baptist church. Yep to be their administrative pastor. Uh-huh. So we and moved I, down there. And I remember, though, because this goes back to the challenger part of me. So back in the day for the singles ministry, you know, I told you, yeah, you ain't going to cut it. You ain't got it. I had to switch roles when it came to this job at Astruma because I remember you doubting whether you could do that job. Mm. And what did I tell you? That I could do it. That's right. No doubt. Over and over and over again. <laughs> and I get it, because when you've done something for so long, I remember when I left First Bossier, I was pretty terrified, because that was the only church I'd ever worked in. Right, me too. So you were the same way, and it's weird how it gets in your head that I can only work here. That's mm-hmm. This is the only place that I can work. So I think you would agree with me, when you move to Baton Rouge, it's, it's different because it's not your home church. It's not your home not city. Not your home. It changes your whole perspective about even people that attend the church that aren't from that town. Because I grew up in Shreveport, Bossier, my whole life, up until 1990 or 2006 when I moved. And I didn't really have an appreciation for the new guy 
that was a military transfer or moved in from a corporation because this was my home. Mm-hmm. And when I got to Corpus, I was like, wow, man, this is pretty tough. I don't know what dentist to go to, what doctor to go to, mm-hmm. where to get my car worked on, where the kids go to school. I don't know any teachers. It really did change my perspective on the new person. And I remember you talking about the big adjustment it was because you had never lived anywhere other than this then, town. That's right. Shreveport that's Bossier right. until then. And how were you when you moved to Baton Rouge? 50-something? 60. 60. So wow. for 60 years you lived here. Yep. And you made that leap. And I'm super proud of you. And Well, thank you. And, and that was another step of faith, even, even accepting the call, going down there and interviewing and going mm-hmm. through all that process. Because, again, I'm thinking – I'm not qualified to be a, you know, over a huge church like that, uh, administrative pastor. Um, again, I'd been divorced, and yeah, you're going to hire a divorce guy, you know. So, um, so we went down there just trusting God, yep. you know, and he he just kept opening the doors, opening the doors, and it and, was you, just and a, you rocked that job, didn't you? I did. That's not, right. Not to be bragging, but it was it was <laughs> you rocked it. Pretty cool. It, it was. was. It was. And it was a good experience. I loved Destruma. I still love them. Yep. Good people. And one of the neatest things that came out of that chapter is how you got connected with the Louisiana State Police. That's true. Tell real quick how that happened because you were going a different direction as a chaplain and something happened. You know, as a minister, sometimes or most of the time, we tend to get to stay within the walls of the church. And that's not what God's called us to do, but that's the tendency to do that. So... God just laid on my heart. He said, I want you to get outside the walls of the church. And so I I had called a, a hospice facility or whatever you want to call it um, to become a hospice chaplain and uh, had already filled out the application. I was going for an interview uh, because I wanted to get outside the walls of the church. I wanted to, you know, help people, you mm-hmm. know, be there for people. And... Um, just stand around talking to a bunch of guys, and I just made a comment. I said, yeah, I'm going to go this week and interview for to be a hospice chaplain. And one of the lieutenant colonels with the Louisiana State Police went to Restrooma Baptist Church, and he said, well, he looked at me, and he said, well, why don't you become a chaplain for the state police? And I just looked back at him. I said, I didn't know that was possible. And so next thing I knew, he had the application in my hand and uh, filled it all out, and the rest is history. And how many ride-alongs have you done at this point with the state police officer? Eighty-six. Eighty-six, 86. times. So what's cool about that, in light of everything that's been going on with the world today and law enforcement, um, it's really neat because Ray encouraged me to also join the team as a chaplain, and now I'm one as well, just getting started. And, uh, but it is a blast, but in addition to it being a blast, the thing that's so cool about it is you really get to see what they really deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard it on the last podcast with Greg Walker and Justin, I'd listened to it this morning and, you know, Greg said it, that you just don't understand until you actually sit in that other seat over there and watch the different situations they get in, the stress they're under the challenges they face and i would totally agree with that i think i under i mean i always appreciated law enforcement i mean i always was thankful they were there but i didn't understand right and again you have 86 rides i have very few just in the few i've been on it's like i have a even a greater respect for what all of them do all the first responders out there because you get to see ambulance and emt and tow truck drivers and you get to see a whole nother side of society when you're out on the street at night with a state police officer you might even see oh, a yeah. parrot you might even see a parrot <laughs> might even see a parrot with a bomb yeah. in the car yeah so real quick <laughs> all sorts of par- stuff i just pictured a parrot with a bomb like yeah, on so, its little on its little leg so just to show that ray has prayer power I'm, this is just evidence that god listens to ray my very first ride along ray said man i really pray that it's just fun for you and that there's some action because I want you to have a good experience. I'm like, that's fine. I mean, I'm just here along for the ride. I don't know what to expect. And you kind of touched on it. My very first ride along, we had a parrot in a car with drugs with a bomb. So the bomb squad had to come out. The parrot got away from us at one point. Mm. We were calling for the bird in the middle of the neighborhood at 2 in the morning trying to get it. It did come back. Landed on 
the shoulder of Jimmy, mm-hmm. Lieutenant. Lieutenant, got the bird back in the car. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. No. And this is happening in, at two in the morning in Shreveport, Louisiana. So, well, what was funny is I kept telling the trooper because see we had the people, the man and the woman, we had them in handcuffs in the trooper's vehicle, and but the trooper, the parrot was in the left in the car. The trooper kept opening the door, and I said, "Don't let the parrot out! Don't let the parrot out!" Well, guess what? He let the parrot out. <laughs> the parrot just got flies down half a block down the street. We oh think he's gosh. gone at this. As soon point. as the parrot comes out, I went lawsuit. <laughs> and the lady was in the back of the car, just screaming, "Birdie, birdie!" <laughs> kicking the door. And so we go running down there like we were going to get the bird back. Yeah, we really didn't think there was any hope. No. Oh, my gosh. So the parrot flies and lands on the lieutenant's shoulder and poops on his shoulder. (laughs) Nice. And I looked at him. I said, that's what you get for arresting his mama. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. It was a good time. So, yeah. And that's just like some of the fun stuff that you get to experience. And then there's hours where nothing happens and you're just riding along, but the real purpose of the chaplain job is to get to know that right. trooper. Right. And to and, and you've told stories of them calling you in the middle of the night, marital situations, family struggles, deaths in the family. You really become a pastor to the troop, which mm-hmm. is really cool. So super thankful you got me involved in it and so thankful that you had that opportunity in Baton Rouge. I think that may have been one reason you went down there. That probably here it we probably go again. Was, probably was. You know, God mm-hmm. knew. Yep. Um, divine intervention yeah and i've got to work fatalities you know and been able to pray with families that you know where their loved ones laying in the middle of the road and yep. you know yeah so yeah it's pretty cool it is pretty cool. cool situation that god's placed us in to to use us in a in a way that you would never imagine you know that's right and like you said the troopers after you get a little taste of what they go through you understand why sometimes you see them going postal on somebody out there on the street because of what they have to deal with all the time. They, you know, they just had yeah. enough. Right. You know, so. Um, and hopefully as chaplains, we're here to take some of that edge off. Let them talk it out, you know, vent it out. Mm-hmm. It's all confidential. Everything that is shared between the officer and the chaplain. So really, really cool program. Yeah, it is. Let's fast forward to you coming back to Bozier. So all of a sudden, you're back. You're back at first Bozier. Back at first Bozier. Full circle, mm-hmm. just in time to manage a pretty big crisis that happened on that campus. Here's one of them another moments again where I picture the two of us together. <laughs> My wife passes by. She goes, She works at Bozier Elementary, so she's on interstate. And she goes, she calls me tearfully and says, first Bozier is on fire. And I'm like, I am in my bed, dead asleep. I jump up, throw on some clothes. I call you, and you said, meet me at the command center, because they'd already set up a command center in the parking lot. And I remember you and I standing in that parking lot, Mm -hmm. watching the building that both of us preached our first messages in, because that's where we both got started, burn to the ground. Tell me about that whole experience. How difficult was that day and then all the days that followed it as far as just what that meant? Well, I get a phone call at 5.30 in the morning from the fire department said, um, fire alarm's going off at the church. Are you a key holder if we need to get in? I said, yes. I said, call me back if you need me to come up there. Because they're, you know, through the years, we've gotten many false alarms. and <laughs> That fire alarm was notorious, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, so, um, so about 15 minutes later, one of my friends with the Baton Rouge PD calls, and he says, Did you, have you heard? And I said, heard what? He said, the church is on fire. And I said, oh, my goodness. I threw some clothes on, got there as quick as I could, and Captain Williams with the state police. So I jump in his car with him, and so we start circling, you know, because he was police. He could, We could move in different spots and see the different, mm-hmm. you know, areas where the fire was. And, um, yeah, pretty stressful day. <sighs> Unbelievable. Oh, Unbelievable. It is very surreal. And of all things, uh, they said it, it started in my office. In I remember portal, that. It, at the portal office. Um, the final exit. Yeah. Final. <laughs> Nobody else will exit out of that portal wow. again. And I said, well, I said, that's fine. They can say it started in my office as long as they say I didn't do it. And that's right. fine. You know. So, uh, 
Yeah, the rest they said is it was history. an electrical fire, right? Electrical fire from the computer. Um, yep. Uh, U- battery backup. UPS. <laughs> uninterrupted, uninterrupted power Sorry. source. Yeah. Right. But so, but I thought but I think about you because again you're back in town and you know we witnessed all that together and then just the work of the insurance and investigation yeah. and just all of that that was lots a of hours put nightmare. into getting the insurance on board and right I had just uh, changed insurance companies mm-hmm. now for the, the church for, for the church right. <clears throat> and it's a good thing I did because. Um, company that I changed where we ended up with a more of a money in the policy right and so yeah. we're able to get enough money to do what they're doing now to rebuild right um yeah but yeah that was you know we had a real good building team once they came once they got up and run in and kind of took things over as far as you know getting bids and that kind of stuff made it my job was easy but for a few for a while there it was pretty tough you and, know and then you made another change. You ended up working for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so now that you're Seems here, so excited. Now that you're here, I mean, and I, I jokingly say that it's a dream fulfilled, but you got to go back to that decade that we all worked together. I can't tell you how many lunches or trips we were on or whatever, and we would just dream about what church could be like. And to Justin's credit, he had the vision and took the risk with First Bozier's blessing, you know, to go launch this church in a movie theater. And who would have ever thought that 13 years later you would get to come back full circle and be on the team? I mean, for me, I remember when that reality was starting to become a possibility. It's pretty dang exciting for me. So how's it been for you to be on this team compared to all your other church experience? How would you compare that situation? Well, I mean, somebody uh, somebody asked me that this morning. Blake asked me that this morning. He said, "What, you know, what's it like? What's uh, you know, between working where you have and versus now?" And I said, "That's easy. Night and day." <laughs> uh-huh. And probably then some. Uh-huh. Uh, because that's what it is. You know, and then you throw the COVID in on top of it, it even makes it even more like, oh, what the heck is going right. on? <laughs> what a you year, know? huh? <laughs> yeah, and so uh, it's it's been awkward. Yeah, you know, I think more so because of that, um, and just not really knowing a lot of the simple church people. Right, right. You know, and I know that'll come in time, uh, but just so it so it's just been a little awkward, but it's been. A breath of fresh air. It's been it's been a um, a good healing, a good time to to you know kind of regroup and yep and really do ministry and not so much other stuff. We yeah, I was about to say about. you took the words right out of my mouth. When I think about for you, you get to go back to where your passion is, mm-hmm. which is really people, because you had gotten into the administrative side more and more and more, more and more. And uh, it's necessary. It's it's a lot of Somebody's what I do. do it. Yes, it's it's mainly my burden to bear, uh, but it's what I'm called to do. So that's okay. But but it is it does take you away from the ministry to people just because of time, and it is cool to get to see that you have that time back, and that's really your primary focus is pastoral care. That's what right. you're doing here, and and doing a great job with that. Um, speaking of COVID, another part of your story is. Uh, you were the first staff member to actually test positive yes. for COVID-19. So for the listener that may be out there that thinks that maybe this is all a big hoax or this is a big government conspiracy that it doesn't exist, how was the COVID-19 experience for you? Well, first of all, let me say, I, you know, you, you hear about what the symptoms are. Uh-huh. So for the first three days, I had the little, kind of just a little drainage <laughs> down the back of my throat and a little cough. A little tickle. And, <laughs> you know, I thought, okay, this is just allergies. You know, not, it's not the COVID because, you know, everybody's in denial. <laughs> and so right, like I got the first symptom Wednesday and then Thursday, Thursday night I was up at the troop with John and I told John, I said, <clears throat> I got this. <laughs> and he looked at me, he looked at me and he went, you ain't got the COVID. That's what he said. Just like that. You ain't got that COVID. I said, okay, okay. So Saturday, here comes the fever. Uh-huh. 
So I had to do a funeral Monday, and I, ooh, I regret or hate that I couldn't do it. Yep. But uh, so if I'm running fever, I'm thinking, you, you probably do have it, and you probably need to go get checked because you don't want to go do that funeral and expose everybody there. Right. And that's what would have happened. Yep. You know. So, and I'd have really felt bad then if I'd have made somebody sick. So, went and got tested Sunday, went to the quick test, which they don't do anymore, <laughs> um, and called John and said, I got it. That's it. And I actually joked with you because I was asked to take over your watch party and on Saturday, and I was like, I joked with you. I can't remember exactly what I said. I was like, oh, you got the COVID, and you were like, maybe, and I was like, oh, no. My bad. <laughs> and yeah. sure enough. And then I was in your office Sunday morning getting all the stuff. And then right after I left your office, it comes through raised positive. And I was like, oh, great. I just, my, those boxes were all over my face. <laughs> I thought for sure I'm a goner. Uh-huh. That's it. I'm done. That's one of the many times during this COVID crisis that you thought you were done. Yes, right? that's very true. I'm much better now. Yes. For the record. Yes. Well, if you listen to old podcast if you want to hear about early Scott in the COVID crisis because he's come a long way. Whatever <laughs> okay. you're about to say something. Well, I was going to say uh, there was about three days that I didn't get out of bed just because I felt, you know, horrible, like uh-huh. I'd been run over by a truck. Uh, had the stomach issues just for one day. Headache for three or four days. So really, really, really I'm blessed that it, it you know, that it wasn't. Right. as bad as most people are Absolutely. experiencing. So, well, thanks to you, I was one of the last staff members to get the quick test because I had to I was actually with you like you said that Thursday night and before I was allowed to go do a debrief with the state police, mm. I had That's to show right. a negative test. So, I I'd, I'd been gone on vacation for a few days and I came in on a Saturday and went to Shumpert and got the quick test. So, I've experienced the old swab up the nose. Mhm. And uh, so, and then shortly after that, they quit doing asymptomatic testing for people because I think they were just using up too many tests. So now you have to have symptoms in most places to get a test. So, but we're thankful that you've recovered and recovered well. That's been a good little while ago now and you're back on your feet. And on Sundays, you know, it it is strange. You mentioned it, that what a year 2020 has been. Um, You've barely got to go to church with us. Two services was all. <laughs> wow. Two services. I didn't even know that. And one of them was the, um, what do you call it? Oh. The partner, uh, partner meeting. Uh-huh. And so I only really went to one service and then the partner. <laughs> I did wow. not realize that. Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah. So you only got two services in, and then all of a sudden we put a screeching halt to gathering at the convention center. But that leaves what we are doing on Sunday mornings. So in case you're a new listener and you haven't heard about what we're doing, is we're doing something called watch parties. And Ray happens to be at those watch parties. So Ray, just for the sake of the listener, and Scott, you also are at a watch party. Between you two guys, explain what happens at a watch party. And we'll start with Ray, and then you can fill in Scott with some additional material. Okay. Uh, watch party starts, or they we put it on the screen at a restaurant, and uh, different restaurants around town. I think we're at like five or six right now, and you get there a little bit before nine thirty. Have the the pre show, and sometimes pe- people listen to that. Sometimes they don't. Then the service comes on. Everybody watches the service, and then you have the post show, and then you know, like most of the restaurants where I've been at, the post show they've turned it off. Because at 11 o'clock, the regular customers come in to eat. So that's why, you know, we've been shutting it off. But uh, but it's been good. It's been good to be with people and, you know, in that environment. And so I encourage people to come to, come to that. I mean, everybody has on their mask coming in and out of the restaurant. It's just like going to a restaurant, normal restaurant, and eating. Right. You know, but you get to see the people and we get to listen to, to Justin. So... And you're going to be at Tamales this Sunday. Be at Tamales. And and where are you going to be Sunday, Scott? I will be at Bojack's. Bojack's is one of our more successful locations. We've been pretty steady, I guess, between 20 to 30 people most Sundays. Yep. But one of the cool things for me this past Sunday is is two of the staff members that work at Bojack that aren't connected to Simple Church, they actually go somewhere else that just happen to work on Sunday mornings, said they really appreciate and love the fact that we're doing the watch party because it gives them a chance 
to experience church when normally they couldn't because they work on Sunday mornings. Right. At least the feedback from Bojax is they love us having there. And most restaurants that I've have experienced, they love the fact that we're there. And like I said, you know, it's the same exact deal. We start at nine thirty, service starts. People generally kinda of talk and hang out. They watch service, but by by the time Justin's done speaking, there's servers at the tables and ready to go. And I'm I'm out of there by noon most days. Right. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I've noticed, because I've been at Bojack's uh, numerous weeks, and I've noticed the workers there watching the service. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. a big side benefit to it. Mm-hmm. So for the listener, just so you know, it goes back to the original idea of the different ways you can still participate in church. Because one thing you got to know, church is not canceled. Okay, so when you hear about us not meeting at the convention center, the natural thought is is that they've canceled church. But we are the church as people. So the mission projects, um, meeting the needs in the community, uh, the pastors are still going to hospital visits and doing funerals and weddings, and the church still thrives. It's just not gathering in our normal location. But if you go back to when this originally started, Justin threw out several options for you as a listener, with the most um, simple one being just stay home and watch it, that it is broadcast every Sunday morning. Then he challenged you the next level could be to invite somebody over. And Ray, you actually did that in your home before you started going to watch parties. Mm -hmm. You had at least one couple come over, a couple of couples come over. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that for a listener out there that really hasn't maybe tried that. How'd that work out for you? It, I, I like that also, but once uh, we started the watch parties, you know, we wanted staff to be at the watch party. So if, if I wasn't going to a watch party, I would still be having people come to my house because you get to, you know, to visit with them. You get to, have to do church with them. And then after the church service was over, you know, we, we ate lunch. You know, right. we cooked, we had some sandwiches and, mm-hmm. and still got to visit like, uh, the couples wouldn't leave till two o'clock in the afternoon because we got we just got to catch up and visit, you know. Sure. So so that's a real good thing to do. And let me just say this about you know being new to Simple Church. I guess you maybe you know it, but Simple Church is rare. Okay, what do you mean? Simple Church to me is what church should be all about. Okay, and that is reaching out to the community, meeting the needs in the community, being the hands and feet of God which most churches, I'm not going to mention any names, don't have to, and I'm just throwing the whole blanket out there, most churches are not like that. Right. They're inward focused, and um, I, just don't, I just don't think that's what churches should be about. Church, I think simple church is what uh, God is happy with, and just, again, meeting the needs of the people in the community, not just here, but, you know, in other places around the world. So... Uh, it's that, that in itself has just brought so much joy to my heart to see, to actually see what Simple Church does to help people. Well, thank you for saying that. We try real hard and I'm glad you're on the team. And and I think about the addition to our, um, mission statement for the longest time, it was love God, love people. But in the last couple of years, we added solve problems on the end of that and, for me, and I think you would agree with this, that there's nothing more satisfying than seeing a, an issue and actually being a catalyst to fix that issue. Because as you know, all of us know in society, there's endless opportunities with problems. And you can get jaded and negative and down about it, but there's something neat happens when you go out and actually solve a problem. Mm-hmm. It just It even renews your own spirit. And it shows there is hope, not not to mention the person receiving it as obviously encouraged, but it even encourages those of us that get to do that. Oh yeah. So that's cool. I appreciate you bringing it up because I didn't even really think about that aspect of it. And then lastly, the watch parties is that third option. If you want to be with 20, 15, 25 people, you miss seeing people, you got to sign up though. It is by mm-hmm. RSVP. You can use your smartphone or your computer. Speaking of smartphones. One of the things that Ray Rainey's really good at, and Scott is too, both of these guys in this room are really good at gift giving. And uh, I'm, I actually have the love language of gifts. I like receiving gifts. So it drives my wife crazy because she don't. She would rather me do a project all day long than buy her anything. 
But you guys know my love language is gifts. Scott, you've given me some pretty cool things over the years. Many of them are still in my office today. But I'm holding in my hand a gift that truly changed my life that Ray Rainey bought me. And it is the first smartphone I ever owned. So for the listener, you can look it up on the interwebs. It's a Kia Sarah 7135. Now, if you don't know what that is, it was the very first convergent device that combined a Palm Pilot with a mobile telephone. What about them apples? Ray, do you remember these phones? I do, I do. But let me tell you how <laughs> that came about, because um, right when the Palm Pilots first came out, John purchased a Palm Pilot for every staff member. And, you know, before the Palm Pilot, you know, we would come to staff meetings with our little <laughs> pencil and pad uh-huh. and, you know, and our little paper calendar and all that. And John's just all, you know, yeah, we're going to use these Palm Pilots, and this is what we're going to communicate with, and all this kind of stuff. And everybody's going, good grief, you know. Just so, um, so anyway, so he introduced me, and I got all excited about it. And at first I was like, no, I'm not using that. And got all excited. You were stubborn. Uh Uh-huh. Excited about it and said, yeah, this is awesome. And so when they came out with that, I thought, that's the ticket right there. We're going to be a step ahead of everybody. Yeah, you were the most reluctant, but turned Mm -hmm. out to be the most aggressive user of the Palm Pilot. Mm -hmm. I mean, you set the mark of appointments and sharing contacts. And one of the funniest stories I remember about Palm Pilot is you had contacts much like you do in your smartphone now. And you could beam them to each other. Uh, that was the term. So you'd hold the devices toward each other and you could beam uh, the contact information uh-huh. over. Well, I had put my wife's like bra size. I still have it. In, <laughs> in her contact. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and, I, and, I, and the staff wanted her number for something. Like, can we have tree size? Oh, sure. So I beamed it to the whole staff. And now they all have that information if they have that data. So sorry, babe, if you're listening. My bad. I did not understand what beaming really was <laughs> and what all was going to go with it. But I ran across this phone, and it just reminded me of just, uh, you know, how awesome you are at gift giving. And I love this sound right here. When you would end a call back in the day, you got the, yeah, mm. that mean you handled up on it. But anyway, Ray uh, Rainey, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Yes, sir. With backstage at the Simple Church. I hope the listener has learned something about our newest staff member. He can be contacted through the church office. You can email him at ray at thesimplechurch.tv. You can find him at a watch party at Tamales on Sunday. But look for Ray Rainey. He's going to be a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. Until next time when we have another backstage moment with the Simple Church. Until then, what does Justin say? Peace. Peace. Peace.